It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. Friend, thank you so much for choosing to watch It Is Written. We're in the third part of our series, How Old Is Old. Not when we were born or when our last birthday was, but asking the question of origins. How old are we? Where did we come from? How long ago did we come from it? And to help me in this conversation, want to welcome again, good friend, Dr. Tim Standish. Dr. Standish, thank you so much again for being here with us. Well, thanks so much. You know, I'm having fun with this, and I hope that everybody's enjoying just digging into these questions a little bit. We don't have all the answers, but uh, you know, there are some great answers there, both in science and, and in the Bible, that can really, um, I believe, build our faith and uh, give us hope for the future. Absolutely. And, and speaking of that, you work for the Geoscience Research Institute as a senior scientist. And part of your mission is to look at this relationship between faith, the Bible, and science. What are some of the projects that you're working on right now as a group to look at that relationship between faith, science, and the Bible? Well, I will tell you that one project that we're looking at right now has to do with the problem of evil. Okay. Um, how do, you know, what, what really does the Bible say about this? How do we explain things in nature? How does the Bible explain things in nature that look designed, but look like they're designed for an evil purpose? So for example, how do we explain Things like the envenomation system that you see in rattlesnakes. Uh huh. Um, you know, that's a system that's designed to kill. How could a good God have made something like that? We're actually taking a step back with some other, um, with some other colleagues because uh, we don't work in isolation. We work with with other academics, sure. looking at what the Bible actually says about these things. So we're taking actual, real, scientific examples okay. and comparing them with what the Bible says to see, hey, you know, is there something there that actually makes sense? Is there, is there something that, make, that works in all of this? Wow, that is very exciting. And if somebody wanted to kind of follow that research, read about other research that the Geoscience Research Institute is doing, where might they find some of that information? They can follow us on Facebook. Okay. Um, and certainly I encourage them to visit our webpage. That's grisda.org, grisda.org. And uh, we have a blog there. We have a huge collection of excellent papers and articles on science and faith. We have a constantly updating um, series of links to articles that deal with questions relating to science and faith. So it's, it's, it's an interesting, constantly changing page. Some things are very academic, 
other things are for a more uh, a broader audience. You know, Dr. Standish, we have been having conversations about this issue of how old is old. What are our origins? Dr. Standish, you are a biologist. You have a PhD in environmental biology and public policy. You have a master's of science in biology. You have a bachelor's of science in zoology. You've taught as, as a professor of biology in two different universities. So when we look at this issue of fossils, of rocks, why, why are they so important? Well, the most important thing, for me at least, about fossils is that they allow us to do the closest thing we can to time travel. Uh, because we can't go backwards in time, yes. we, we, we have to look at whatever record is there. Obviously, the best thing is a written record by somebody who actually witnessed something. Mm -hmm. But um, the fossils reveal to us important information about organisms that lived in the past. And what we talked about in our last show was patterns. We see these patterns, and probably most importantly, the pattern that is absent from the fossil record is organisms, such as the trilobite, which we talked about, shows up in the Cambrian layer, but before that, you don't have organisms that look like they're becoming trilobites and eventually developing the trilobites. What's happening there? They just appear. They appear from nowhere, apparently. Yes. And we talked about those patterns, and those patterns point to a plan, a design, a planner. And, and, and actually this fossil record, although a record of death, although a record of, of the marring of creation, because somewhere along the line creation kind of set off on a different plan, the fossil record shows that there is a God, a master designer behind it. Now, here's my question, though, that we need to get into today, because that's wonderful that the fossil record shows patterns. Here's the thing. A lot of science literature, when I took science class in junior high, high school, talked a lot about fossils. In fact, I fell in love with dinosaurs when I was very young. But here's the, here's the issue when we read the literature, when we hear scientists, when we look at our science textbooks, most of them are talking about fossils being millions, if not billions of years old. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, isn't that a horrifying thought? For millions and millions and millions of years, hundreds of millions of years by, by uh, most accounts, Innumerable organisms have been dying, you know, suffering and death, suffering and death for hundreds of millions of years. Now, there are a few fossils that are supposed to be billions of years old, but those are rare and unusual. Okay. Um, it's really fossils that show up in that Cambrian layer, which is supposed to start about 540 million years ago, where all of a sudden you see lots and lots and lots of fossils. Below that, not so many of them. 
However, there's a recent paper that is very fascinating when it comes to these things. And that bears on this issue of time. Okay. It turns out that the carbon that you find in living things has a slightly different isotopic ratio. It has a little, like a chemical signature that's a little bit different from carbon that's just out there and didn't come from a biological source. Hmm. Now, the interesting thing about that is they find carbon with that biological signature in it that is in rocks, little zircon crystals. Okay. okay? Little zircon crystals that are supposed to be older than four billion years. Now, why is that important? Yes. Because even in the conventional dating scheme of things, it means there was no time for life to evolve. Mm. Basically, the way things are supposed to have worked is this. About 4.5 billion years ago, bear in mind, I do not believe these numbers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 4.5 billion years ago, dust and stuff all glommed together to form the planet Earth. But it was very hot. And so the Earth was a molten ball. Nothing could live on the surface hmm. of molten rock. Sure. And supposedly, it took half a billion years for the Earth to cool enough to have a crust on it. So what that means is rocks that are older than four billion years are barely the first rocks formed when the, when the Earth cooled enough to get a, get a crust on it. There's, there's no time between being a molten ball and this organic carbon for life to actually evolve. Now, somebody will probably figure out a way of inserting a few years in there. But the point is that even when you take these numbers... Yes for what they claim. There are major, major problems with the development of life. Getting, giving life enough time to develop from chemicals, um, it, it's hard to imagine that happened in an instant. Sure. We haven't observed it happening in several thousand years. So, you know, the idea that it would occur in, in an instant is, is pretty optimistic, let's put it that way. So if that model is not a model that works in your mind. Let's talk about time. What is a model that does work? Well, I believe that the biblical account of history is an accurate one. And it's, it's still not necessarily that easy to put your finger on exactly when the creation occurred. Remember that I'm a biologist. So my primary interest is in when the organisms were created. Yes. So there was that six-day creation week followed by rest on the Sabbath where all of the uh, creation is basically enjoying rest after a very eventful week. Yes. The question then is, when did that week happen? And the Bible gives us some great data to work with. Uh, we see it in the form of genealogies. Okay. So in these genealogies, what it'll say is, well, in such and such a year, uh, well, 
when, when so-and-so was so, such and such an age, they had a son. Yes. And that son's name was such and such. Could have been Noah or something like that. Yes. And then when Noah was such and such an age, then he had a son and that son may have been Shem, let's say. Yes. And uh, if you look at these, you can actually figure out, okay, there, there's a certain number of years between all of these births and you can get up to an actual historical event, at which point you can then figure out the time between that historical event that we have a date for and the present day. And when you do that, you get something between six and uh, something less than 10,000 years. It depends on how you add the numbers up, and, and there are some other variables that you can put in there. Mm -hmm. So we can't put our finger on exactly when the day of creation was, but the point is this. It's thousands of years ago. It's not millions or billions of years ago, according to the biblical account. So then the question is, well, why is it that scientists are saying, well, life was never created and it came into existence billions of years ago, basically, and, 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 and there's this huge amount of time. Well, there, there are two major reasons why that's done. Okay. Number one, the thinking is that if you have enough time, that combined with natural selection will be kind of like the magic source that somehow or other produces this amazing diversity of life that we enjoy and celebrate today. There are major problems with that. I mean, obviously, it sort of becomes unscientific after a while. Yes. What it's saying is, because we scientifically do not observe this happening today, um, uh, we're going to put it well beyond the possibility of observation by putting it way back in time. Everybody agrees that no human being was there to observe the creation. That's right. Um, so somehow or other, we've got to use data and we have to um, you know, look at what our philosophical system demands. The materialistic Darwinian system demands huge amounts of time. Now, as we discussed before, even with those huge amounts of time, there are immense problems for the Darwinian system. Time is not the same thing as magic. <laughs> and um, stuff that, you know, we, we believe to at least a limited degree that the present is the key to the past as scientists. We believe that the laws of physics remain the same and so on. Yeah. So why would we expect an, uh, a, a, um, an event that we don't observe happening today to have occurred a billion years ago or three billion years ago or, or longer. It just, it, it's, it's kind of a leap of faith. Uh, I'm not all that comfortable with leaps of faith like that myself. Then the question, but, but there's, there's this other major reason why a scientist might start talking about long periods of time, and that is because there's actual data that are well interpreted within that kind of model. Okay. And you've probably heard of radiometric dating. Yes, for sure. That's probably the number one uh, thing out there.
But there are other methods as well. You might look at rates of erosion, things like, things like that. Okay. And, uh, and then sort of start doing extrapolating from that. Now, we, we've had some previous discussion in our previous shows that that first thing, reason that you're talking about of long periods of time and natural selection. Yeah. The sort of philosophical reason, I would call it. Yes. That just doesn't seem to work uh, because the evidence of the fossil record, for example, the trilobite, it doesn't show this long period of time in the fossil record where you have this evolving organism that becomes a trilobite. You simply have trilobites that... There they are. There they are. And so that, the evidence, the observable scientific evidence, not there. Now this second thing, radiometric dating and some of these other things, very briefly, and we don't have time to have a in-depth conversation for radiometric dating. I need to be able to ask you intelligent questions and it would be very hard for me to understand, but very elementary explanation. What challenges are we having there? Well, when we look at rocks, there are certain isotopes, certain variations on elements that we find in there. And um, some of them are unstable. So they'll, they'll convert from one type to another type of atom, basically. Okay. And we can easily, me- well, not easily, but in the lab we can measure the, the, the quantity that is present. Okay. And so the bottom line is this. If you know how many were there in the first place and you know how many of a certain isotope you have now, and if you know that it changes from one form to another at a constant rate over time, you can calculate the time. That's the basic idea. Okay, okay. Uh, It's a little bit complicated. Um, It seems to work sometimes, but then sometimes it doesn't seem to work. The thing that fascinates me about radiometric dating, and the the best method that, that I understand, I should say the method I understand the best, is uh, carbon-14 dating. It's the only one that really can measure how old a biological sample is. Okay. Now, it's quite limited. You really can't get dates much beyond 100,000 years okay. using carbon-14 dating. Okay. So uh, carbon-14 dating has never shown and can't show in theory even that something is millions of years old. Okay. And uh, the thing that's interesting to me about carbon-14 dating is that actually, as far as I've been able to determine, nobody truly believes it, at least the theory. Because instead of using the theoretical rate at which carbon-14 is supposed to change um, actually to nitrogen-14, interestingly enough, okay. um, instead of using that, a... Um, uh, a standard curve has been developed based on the known dates of Hmm. samples. And you can imagine where this is going. Um, What that means is people don't truly believe the theory and they go with with these known dates, but that assumes that you actually know the dates of these pieces of wood or whatever it is that you're working with. So it's it's, it's an interesting... Uh, method of dating things, it does sometimes seem to work. Sometimes it doesn't seem to work. Uh, So, for example, when you look at the dating of the Dead Sea Scrolls, 
Yes. Sometimes the carbon-14 dating lines up with the dates that are actually written in the scrolls. Sometimes they don't. Okay. Uh, which is kind of unexpected. Yeah, sure. Um, but that, that, that would be an example of how there's a lot of uncertainty in this. I'm more interested in not, you know, with something within 100 years of a certain date. I'm interested in this big question. Is life hundreds of millions of years old or is it thousands of years old? And, and that was, that, that's what I was going to ask you. So we have, we have a challenge here. We have a great deal of science saying millions and billions. We have the Bible saying thousands. We have a fossil record that seems to indicate millions and billions not possible and thousands much more plausible. So what do we do with that, Dr. Standish? Well, obviously, you should have um, an understanding, at least as a scientist, I believe you should have some sort of evidence-based idea about this. Yes. So going in between is basically coming up with a theory that doesn't have any data <laughs> to support it. Yes. Um, I have to go with the Bible, but it does turn out that if you look at fossils, yes. there's plenty of evidence that, in fact, they are not millions of years old. And now, what is some of that evidence? I, I'll give you an example. This here is a piece of dinosaur bone. Okay. It's been, it's been cut through there. And you can see that this particular dinosaur bone is, um, is, is permineralized. It's, it's th the original bone that was there has been replaced by minerals of various kinds. However, sometimes you find dinosaur bone that doesn't have the bone actually replaced by other minerals. Okay. And you can remove the normal minerals that are found in bone, that, that uh, calcium phosphate that's there. And in bone, there's actually quite a bit of protein okay. that's present. Now, this has been uh, reported in the scientific literature. Now, bear in mind, dinosaurs are supposed to have gone extinct about 65 million years ago. Okay. So any dinosaur bone should be more than 65 million years old. Okay. And yet, various biological molecules, and in particular, specific proteins, have been found inside these bones. That is shocking news. Yes, very uh, shocking news. So we're shrinking down that major long ages. Proteins do not last millions of years. This has been tested very, very carefully in laboratories because it's one of those things that can be used in forensic science. You want to know how old the body is? One thing you can look at is how fast the proteins break down in those bones. Now, they might be able to stay around for thousands of years, but millions of years? Wow. That's mm. pretty optimistic. Yes. That's pretty optimistic. So that would be a biological example. Okay. Um, it's not just proteins. Uh, right now, I and, and some colleagues have been collecting papers reporting in the peer-reviewed scientific literature the presence of biological molecules associated with fossils of various kinds. Proteins, fats, other things that are produced by living things. 
they shouldn't be there, and yet they're present. Now, this is fascinating, Dr. Standish. We are running a bit short on time, but you were going to show, I think, something else here. Let me show you one more quick one. Please, yeah, yeah. We, I, I like show and tell. Yes. In salt, there are little bacteria that get trapped inside the salt crystals. Yes. These bacteria that are supposed to be on the order of hundreds of millions of years old can be brought back to life. Now, there are obviously multiple explanations that you can have for this, but if those bacteria are truly over 100 million years old, there is no possibility that they could have lasted that kind of time period and still be alive in there. Wow. That's just just incredible. And like I said, this is in the peer-reviewed scientific literature. It's not some sort of marginal thing or somebody who's just sort of making this up. So that would be another example. Another example has to do with the rate at which the human genome and the genomes of other organisms seem to be breaking down. The idea that you can push the, the ancestors of human beings back hundreds of millions of years without their genomes simply breaking down to the point that everything goes extinct is very optimistic. Thousands of years, yes. Millions of years, no. You know, Dr. Standish, we are out of time and we could say a great deal more on this topic. But once again, we see evidence of a recent creation a recent design by a loving God who wants to lead us to a new creation. Let's have a word of prayer as we end our time today. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are designed and we are fashioned in your likeness and that you want to make us a new creation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, evidence demands a verdict. And the evidence points to a plan with a planner, and that planner is Jesus Christ. Today for our offer, I want to give you some of that evidence. I'd like to offer for you fossils your own fossil where you can see the evidence of God's divine plan. In addition to that offer, I'd like to offer you the DVD, the three-part series on a DVD of Dr. Standish and I discussing how old are we. You can have that DVD for any size donation, the fossil absolutely free. Here's the information you need to receive today's offer. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4.
Dr. Standish, thank you so much for helping us on our study of how old are we. I'm so thankful to God that he hasn't left us suffering for millions of years. I am as well. Dear friends, I want to invite you to join us again next week. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.